everyone, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to be talking about the inflation narrative. So we had the CPI print last week. It caused quite an uproar and for reasons that you wouldn't quite expect. So I'm going to talk about the difference between month over month and year over year and kind of why the narrative behind inflation is so important. In other news, I'm honored to be a part of Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business 2022. Thank you again for all the support and the kindness. Getting right into it, is data even real? We got the CPI print. The best thing about the CPI print was that it was 0% technically negative 0.02% unrounded, meaning it actually went down in July. The worst thing about the CPI print is that it was 8.5% year over year. We still have mega inflation. The interesting thing about the CPI print is that it caused a huge response online where people seemed to be insistent that the 0% number was fake or a lie or both. Even Twitter added a fact-checking note to Biden's tweet on the inflation print stating that it was misleading, which was kind of bizarre. There is a difference between year over year and month over month. They are two different metrics that are calculated two different ways and reported two different ways. They're important for different reasons. We all got the same information, but we somehow came to very different conclusions. That divergence in information and conclusion impacts how things works. If you think about rational expectations theory, which is a theory that people come to decisions based on rationality, information available, and past experiences, if all of a sudden everyone's information and interpretation of that information is wildly different, that impacts overall outlook. There's nuance to all of this. The thing is, and I think part of the reason that people are mad is when you say that things are getting better, people sometimes think that you're saying that things are good. Those are two different things, things getting better and things being good. It's velocity and acceleration. So inflation is still hot. Nobody's saying that the car isn't moving anymore, but the car inflation is still zooming along as shown in this picture, but it's decelerating. Things are still not great. People are relying on credit cards. Real wages are still being consumed by inflation. Food prices are still high. Rent is exorbitant, but things are improving at least a little bit. But why does data matter? Data at the root is important, right? Even if expectations are wacky, the data is an anchor in this sea of fluctuations, which is why it's important to pay attention to. So data makes policy. I've made this point a couple of times, so Joe Weisenthal had a good tweet about it, where the Fed uses monthly and yearly CPI metrics to make policy decisions, even though they do use PCE, they do look at CPI to figure out what's going on. Brainerd said herself that the Fed looks at monthly prints, and even if you don't personally agree with CPI metrics, it's important to pay attention to, because the Fed does, <laughs> right? They make decisions based off that, which is why it's important to understand what the Fed thinks of these metrics and what they are potentially going to do based off that, which is convoluted, I know. And data doesn't always define reality. Of course, the CPI print does lag reality to a certain extent. Policy is just one of the many things that shapes our experiences. And as Adam said, there's a difference between is and was. This microeconomy is different. I personally don't drive a car, so I don't really pay attention to gas prices, but people who pay attention who have to drive so long to get to work, gas prices are gonna be a huge part of how they think of inflation impacting their lives. But short-term data does drive long-term expectations. People notice month-to-month -month changes, which is why monthly prints are important. We got inflation expectations this week, and expectations of inflation has ticked down, probably because of gas price relief, which is a short-term change. So data is important because it makes policy and drives long-term expectations, but it's also important to recognize that it isn't a perfect picture of reality, and nobody is saying that it is. The numbers weren't wrong, but if someone says that inflation was 0% and your grocery bill went up 10%, 
consent, people are gonna have some anger at that. Like, it sounds ridiculous. That creates cognitive dissonance and confusion. That writes off this lived experience of inflation entirely, which is not good. Let's talk about what was in this inflation print. Month over month. So CPI did decrease 0% in July after increasing 1.3% in June. Prices did not increase at all in July on average. <laughs> it's really clear in this chart from Greg. They go the negative and positive price pressure do balance each other out. Shelter costs were a big contributor to number go up and the full and energy was a huge contributor to number go down. Things still got more expensive though. The 0.3% month over month increase in quarter CPI is still 3.7% as Brian highlights, but some stuff didn't. Energy fell 4.6%, but food got more expensive, rising almost 11% in the month. Rent prices increased as well, but not at the rip-roaring rate of June. Core services and used cars all slowed in price, and producer pressures are easing too. The PPI also declined. <laughs> That's great news. If prices are softening for producers, that will have downstream easing for consumers theoretically. But year-over-year -year inflation is still high. As shown in this chart from JP Morgan, things eased in July, but it's still gross. Even though rent only <laughs> increased 0.8% in July 2022, rent is still incredibly expensive, rising 14% year-over-year. This chart from Jay Parsons highlights it well, like sure, it went down, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily cooling, it's more so normalizing, as Jay says. Poor inflation is still ripping, driven by these rental costs and service sector pressure. The biggest thing of all of this is even if we get 0% inflation for every single month until December, we're still going to have really high year-over-year -year inflation, roughly 3.32%, which is well above what the Fed wants it to be at, according to calculations from Jim Bianco. Cam Harvey has a good video on it too, and a great table that highlights it further. The whole thing is like, even if we got really low changes, like 0% monthly CPI prints until December, we would still have ripping numbers into the rest of the year. So the question is, what is the Fed going to do? So of course the Fed wants to see inflation at 2%, and those metrics are much higher than their goals. Neil, who is the president of the Minneapolis Fed, and also my mutual on Twitter, doesn't seem to be all swayed by the CPI print. He wrote a piece back in June called Policy Has Tightened a Lot Isn't Enough, an update, which summarized that the Fed has to keep on raising rates. He wants to raise rates to 4% by the end of the year to get to 2% inflation, but this was likely more sentiment setting to the market than anything. The Fed is essentially squaring up with the market right now, a game of chicken, and the Fed doesn't want to swerve first. And we all know what happens in a game of chicken. Somebody has to swerve. It's either the market or the Fed. But things still need to get a lot better, and the Fed probably won't be able to achieve this alone. They have their toolkit, rates, balance sheet, credibility, but they're basically saying like, hey, everybody stop, chill out right now. There are likely more productive ways to manage inflation than just smashing demand. I've talked about this. Lots of people have talked about this. Alex Williams wrote a gr really great piece on this, on the true cost of leaving the Fed alone to fight inflation, both domestically and internationally. And he had a lot of great suggestions on how it can be more than just monetary policy to try and manage this big inflation problem that we do have. The Fed is going to keep on ripping and that could come at a high price. Right now, people are feeling better. <laughs> the University of Michigan sentiment index rose four whole points with people thinking that prices will rise, but at its lower lip. People don't feel great about now, but they feel okay about the future. And that is good news. But the Fed could wreck that if they're not careful. If they go a bit too fast and furious, that's not good for anyone. But right now, things are getting better. There's always nuance. And inflation being 0% in July doesn't diminish the pain and worry that so many are experiencing. There's still a really long way to go. But even marginal improvements in these metrics can tip the dominoes in the right direction, which can help shape expectations to be more positive. And the compounding impact of that is a good thing. Final thoughts. There's a poem by Kai Sky that I really like. I want to do important work, I said, then smile at people you meet, she said, and play with dogs and take a blanket around someone who falls asleep. That's not what I meant, I said. Of course you did, she said. You just had a smaller idea of important. I think that sort of underscores expectations divergence problem that we have, although it paints it in a rather rosy way. We have different ideas of what matters, and the issue with that is it gets into the spiral of everything matters, nothing matters. There are people who have Stockholm stockholder syndrome who are positioned, whether politically or in their portfolios, for things to be bad 
bad and therefore want things to be bad and they are very vocal about it. Different ideas of what matters. And that's not a good or bad thing, it's just a thing. But I, as I wrote last week, social media loves to report negative narratives and people love narratives. This is human, narratives are an anchor. As Eve Sedgwick wrote in Reality and Realization about the gap between knowledge and belief and the time it takes to truly process, perhaps the most change can happen when that contempt changes to respect. A respect for the ordinariness of the capacities between knowing and realizing. Knowledge is not realization, right? It takes time to incorporate into a narrative, it takes us time to process the change around us, which there has been so much. It's similar to our current economy, things are changing, improving, but progress is never a straight line. And there's probably a marginal difference between truth and acknowledgement right now. And the gap between the two shapes expectations in a strange way. But just because things are still nominally bad doesn't mean that they aren't improving. We shouldn't hang our hats on this inflation metric. Let's be clear, but it's still very early in this journey. And perhaps good news is the true lagging indicator and really bad news is right behind it, which is a whole cycle that we don't want to be in. But right now things are looking a little bit brighter. And I think that we should celebrate that. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. I'm trying to improve my camera quality so hopefully this helped your experience of watching the video let me know below if it did i'll attach my Substack, my my instagram i'm on tiktok i'm on twitter i'm everywhere you could possibly want me to be i think <laughs> spotify this does get turned into a podcast if you want to listen on the go thanks so much for hanging out thanks so much for spending time with me and i hope that you are doing well and i will talk to you soon bye